This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 837, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. I don't have a joke. That's fine. You don't have to have a joke every time. <laughs> I do. That's a mental problem I have. Tell the world's gonna hell, and we're sure gonna miss it a lot. All of the 
of whiskey in Lynchburg, Tennessee Just couldn't hit the spot I got a hundred dollar bill, friend, to keep your pills Cause it's all the way to pot Hello, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 837 I'm Josh Fling, I'm here with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick Both Josh and I are on like three hours of sleep The world's falling apart Let's go Let's do this. <laughs> we are a fanboy, and none of this matters. And every week, one of us picks a book that they like the best from their stack of comics, which doesn't matter. And we call that the pick of the week, which you guessed is utterly pointless. We talk about that book. We avoid the chasm, the chasm of life. desolation. We will talk about other books from life. Whoa! Um, I was trying to think of the line from uh, from Hitchhiker's Guide, but I can't remember it now. That uh, Marvin says, <laughs> "We'll talk about the patron pick, the patron pick of the week." It is yeah. that we just don't call it that, right? Because it's every week we answer listener mail if we have time. Uh, there uh, are spoilers about the books. Um, if you haven't read them, you know, then don't listen to this or do listen to this and don't worry about that because it it doesn't matter. It's all meaningless. <laughs> Connor, given that in in mind, that makes it easier to make a pick because of its meaninglessness. Correct. I I had a really good time reading comics this week. I had like a moderately sized stack of books, and I had you know four or five really good ones. And actually, the first four books we're going to talk about here they they were all in mental contention for pick of the week. So I actually I had a good week. And it was nice. I think I actually enjoyed the books. I didn't have a lot of books, but the ones that I read, I think I did I did enjoy. Yeah, it was good. But ultimately, Josh, I'm a man who yearns. I yearn. It's, okay. you know, well known about me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a yearner. You're a yearner. And... <laughs> Which is not to be confused <laughs> with a yearner. <laughs> well, occasionally. <laughs> thing. Uh, well, right, but not, like, that's not your thing. Sure. Like, you are, <laughs> you urinate at a normal level. Platform. I wouldn't call you an enthusiast. He's right. not a yearner. <laughs> so, the pick of the week was Batman 125, and the last time Batman was pick of the week was also the start of a new career team run, because I yearn for a good Batman run. So that last pick, uh, that run went off the cliff immediately, and I don't, I don't think we even talked about it for the rest of the time on the show, but here we have uh, the new creative team of Chip Zdarsky and Jorge Jimenez. Uh, on a double, on an exercise issue because there's a back there's I guess there'll be a backup story so they can charge you extra. Uh, also written by Chip Zdarsky. We'll get to that in a minute. At least uh, there are things about this that I didn't necessarily love, but I understand why they're happening. But for the most part, much like the last Batman pick of the week, this felt like a fun, nice, classic resetting of the table of the Batman world. And as we've been talking about for the last couple of years, Chip Zdarsky has been, become one of our favorite writers. He is extremely versatile. This is this doesn't read like a Chip Zdarsky. I couldn't even tell you what that means. Anymore, you can't. Right. In the past, I think you could. But now, after years of Daredevil and other books, uh, he's unrecognizable, which is a good thing, I think. Yeah. And so here we have Bruce Wayne Batman is back at it, but he's... He's in a bit of a darker place. That's the part I don't necessarily love. That's I don't love the super dark and robotic Batman. Uh, we know that Chip can write other kinds of Batman as he's done in the right. Batman Urban Legends book. But here, he's just not 
happy he he still has lost his fortune which is still the dumbest thing that's happening in comics and so he's basically forgone bruce and he's batman 24 7 and so tim has shown up uh and says hey man i'm a little concerned this is not mentally good for you and so then we resume the batman and robin bruce and tim partnership at least for this this moment and they're out to stop the penguin who is going to kill everyone in Gotham who has inherited $5 million or more unless they give that money over to the poor of the city, which is funny because Penguin is falls in that category. He was born super rich. Then there's a you know, fight in a gala. And it's just very classic. Clayface shows up. And then, you know, two things happened that surprised me. One, and we did give you, we gave you the spoiler warning. In the midst of the gala in which Batman is fighting in, in, in a half Batman suit, half tuxedo, which I thought was... Awesome and funny in a Chip Zdarsky way. Robin, Tim Drake gets shot in the throat by a goon. And so then Batman has to race to get him to the hospital. And there's a nice little flashback parallel to Jason Todd's death while Batman is panicking in a Batmobile. And then he goes to visit Penguin, who commits suicide in the hospital room while framing Batman. So now everybody thinks that Batman murdered the Penguin in, as a retaliation. And so I, I thought this was really strong. The Jorge Jimenez art, I've been a big fan of for a while. I think he does really dynamic, really fun. I don't, you know, this is a, they, they, they still sometimes use this penguin design where it's from the Tim Burton movies, which I don't love. But I loved his character work. The panel of Tim being shot was terrific in the silhouette, the red silhouette. He does great dynamic canted angles. I think he's a terrific artist and, Works really well for Batman. And I just really like this. I really like this issue. I also like the backup with Selena, uh, that chip row with Bella and Ortega on art. Now that the Penguin is quote-unquote dead, his iceberg lounge is up for grabs, and so all these criminals want to take it over. But there's a robot lawyer who <laughs> has the Penguin's will and won't allow a criminal takeover. He will only allow legal takeover. I thought that was kind of silly chip. So it was a nice contrast of the two kinds of chips. Which I liked. But it was a very, like, sort of dark, serious, arch kind of Batman, though. Yeah. I, I actually didn't read this issue because of various reasons, mostly being that I just thought it was another issue of Batman. By the time I found out, it was kind of too late. But I read, like, the little preview thing in the back of um, Batman Killing Time. And yep. I was really surprised that it was so... Dark isn't the word I'm looking for, but, like, serious, I guess. Not yeah. because it's just Chip Zdarsky, because... You know, Daredevil's very serious, but I, I just thought, oh, that's that's an interesting choice because I wouldn't think they would go there now. Because it's because also just because that's common in other stuff right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like like you know, in Killing Time, for example, Batman's super serious, and in uh, everything else I've read, basically, he's, he's not he's not a fun Batman at the moment. They're either mimicking the movie tone, or you know, they're starting him in point A to get him to point Z. You know, right? They have to resolve this fucking money situation. It's not fun, much like Superman's identity being revealed that brings zero to the table story-wise. It's funny because it works It works in some instances, or at least for a little while. I mean, like, obviously, Spider-Man's thing is he's broke, yeah. he's got to have a job, he's whatever. That kind of always works. Um, they took away Oliver Queen's fortune at one point, and I was like, that kind of works for him. Like, but the, the, po- the thing is, they don't... It doesn't affect Batman in any way other than he just complains... Like, he still has his cars, he has his gadgets, he has his layers. It's like, well, then what's the point if he's, if you're going to strip him of his fortune, 
then strip him of his fortune. He shouldn't be able to upkeep all this stuff. He shouldn't still have all right. this stuff. So really strip ass. him down to just the basics and have him be running around in like a year one suit with the cloth, you know, mm-hmm. belt and a couple of batarangs, but he's got to be judicious using them because he only has, you know, one more crate. Like really dive into that, but they don't. It doesn't change the story one iota. So it's like, well, then what is the point of it? If you're not Can you using go back it, and tell me, like, why doesn't he have his money? The point of it, again, it's like the root of all the DC problems now is because originally in that Dan DiDio, you know, jump to the future, they were going to have the new Batman, Lucas Fox's son. So they right. contrived the Joker stole his fortune, Lucas, uh, Catwoman stole it back, and Lucas came to Bruce and said, hey, the government's watching you for various reasons, so we, you, you can't take the money back because then they'll know you're Batman, so I'm going to hold on to the money for you. And then he just kept it. And so... Lucius Fox kept yeah. the money. Yeah, so Lucius Fox has Batman's fortune, sense. right? Right. It's like if you got robbed, and I robbed the guy back, and I just said, Josh, I'm just going to hold on to your money for you, and then I never gave it back. Like, it's yeah, stupid. So, and I, I, again, if they told new, interesting Batman stories through it, then that would be one thing, but they don't. They just keep mentioning it, but it doesn't affect him in any way. It's stupid. And then you would think that Batman... Very, very rich person, savvy, wouldn't necessarily keep all of his funds under the name of Bruce Wayne. <laughs> In one bank account. Because for one, <laughs> that that creates a problem. Yeah. You know, like, hey, where's all this money going? You know, yeah. you have to people have to account for that to a certain extent. You know, he'd have other accounts and he has the Batman account. Money upon money. Yeah. And he has the, the account anyway. called not money for Batman. <laughs> it's just stupid. And it's been going on for a long time. Future state didn't happen, but they keep these remnants that are just that are kneecapping. Anyway, the point is this: that little aspect is dumb. I liked the story a lot. I'm hope I'm hopeful and excited that this actually takes off into a fun place. Chip is a great writer. We've seen him write great Batman stories, so I'm looking forward to this and seeing where this goes. He's good at putting the characters into difficult corners. Yes. And watching what they do, which is, you know, if you can have that illusion of progress with Batman, then you're doing something right. So hopefully that's where he gets to. And I don't believe, you know, I don't believe the Penguin's, you know, permanently dead. So there's all that. So what about Tim Drake? Are you? Well, he's not dead. He just got shot in the throat. Right. It nicked an artery, but he got him to the hospital. We just didn't see the outcome of him getting him to the hospital. That takes him off the board, though. I did like the cover a lot where. It's a shot of Batman, you know, like a medium shot, waist up. But Tim is tiny in the foreground, and he's jumping, and he is Batman's logo on his chest. I like that a lot. Hmm. I'm excited. Is he Robin now? Who is he? He is Robin. Red Robin. He's Robin. Okay. In other books, they're like you got to get your own identity, but here he's Robin. And Bruce is like, he's you know, Tim's a great Robin. He's a good soldier. He's been able to figure out how to have a life and be the soldier. You know, that was mm-hmm. sort of the the monologue he had when, when Tim showed up. Like, he really likes and he respects Tim. It's interesting to see that this is the Batman-Tim story, which is very much like the millennial ideal yeah. of Batman. So yeah. it's it's interesting. I'm hoping he sticks around. I'm hoping he's just, you know, just a, just a flesh wound. <laughs> Let's talk about Batman Killing Time, issue five of six. This was almost the pick because of the ending, which I feel like an idiot uh, didn't see coming. Until the page before the reveal, I was like, oh, shit, are we doing? And then we turned the page, and I was like, we are. And it was such a Tom King thing 
such a very, very Tom King thing to reveal the mastermind behind this whole thing is one of Batman's silly villains. That does make perfect sense. I hadn't put it together exactly like that. And I, I will be honest, I saw that character and I was like, who's this again? Is it Clock King? <laughs> well, you know, Tom is always talking and joking about the lower tier guys, right? He did the whole condiment man thing and you know he had that whole arc about in the batman series what was it it was uh kite man kite man so to have clock king be the mastermind here makes sense and also you know the whole conceit of this book has been the narration has been very specifically time to time in a way that has split the audience you know i like it some people hate it but now it makes sense before it felt like just like a washman affectation but now it's a guy who, you know, knows time to the, the nth degree. So, of course, all this stuff is timed exactly to the minute. Um, and I really liked also the parallel stru- structure of the, the stuff in the past. Like, for the first time, the stuff that happening in ancient Rome makes sense. Right. Um, yeah, I thought so, that it all too. sort of came together in this issue, which I really liked a lot. I think it's interesting that the sort of the tone of the book is so heavy, and, you know, there's no jokes. There's not, you know, it's it's really straightforward, arch comic booking. And then, like, so the end, the final reveal is, is a ridiculous villain. Right. Like, oh, you've deflated all of the stuff. And not in a bad way. <laughs> you know, you know, and he's, pl- he's going to play it straight. You know, yep. this isn't, you know, he'll be he'll be a threat. There's a reason these people are super villains to a certain extent. But um, it really was a, a plotting uh, uh, tour de force. And I went mm-hmm. back a few times because I was like, wait a minute, is this happening before or concurrently or, you know, but it worked, mm-hmm. you know, it worked, worked really well. I like this series sort of despite myself, like if this wasn't so well constructed, I wouldn't be all that interested, but I am. And I, you know, I, I've, I've definitely stuck with it. Should we address the elephant? Yeah. So this is the second time that Tom King has killed us off in a comic book. <laughs> he killed us off in the, the War of Jokes and Riddles. We were killed, we were all killed by the Joker. We were amongst the many heads and names that were shown as being victims of the Joker's massacre. So in the on page uh, four, it says um, Jay Wood fires a flamethrower indiscriminately, yes. and I was like, huh. And then I was he like, he killed David oh. Price there, right? I know, and I was like, I'm gonna show up in a second here, <laughs> and I did, and and he spelt my name and your name incorrectly on purpose. I'm pretty sure, and also. <laughs> We got an ignominious death. Yeah, so the, the beginning of this issue, uh, and we don't know why this is happening, but a, a whole bunch of Gotham supervillains, hired goons, are killing each other in Moldoff Park, right? There's a giant riot or battle happening in the park, and you know you see Joker goons and Penguin goons and Mr. Zaz goons, so I didn't even think Mr. Zaz had goons. You and I and Ron, whose names are spelled correctly. Which is interesting. We're Mr. Freeze goons. And by the way, all of this tracks, all of this tracks, uh-huh. we yeah. try to use our freeze guns and they, they blow up, freezing Homemade us to freeze death. Guns. We would totally try to use the freeze guns and die using them. And so we, we freeze ourselves to death and then we, our bodies melt into the grass and it never recovered. <laughs> I, I, I say, you know, we got the best death yeah. out of all these. Ours is silly. And I like the silly. And you see us at Frozen... Demise in the panel. <laughs> Flailing. And then our bodies are not recovered. <laughs> and then later on, when we, we go backwards to the meeting of the goons, you see a dude wearing, uh, on page uh, 10, Josh, you see a dude in the left bottom left corner wearing 
sort of a Mr. Freeze getup. And he's got kind of a blonde mustache, so I'm assuming that's you. Okay, let's um, go. Who's going to die, late, you know, later on. <laughs> but <laughs> it was a good Fair death. Enough. It was a fun death, I, I I'll thought. T- yeah, I mean, like, we thought we could make a freeze gun. <laughs> we weren't good at it. We didn't test it. We all went down and disappeared. <laughs> the way we're positioned, were we shooting at each other? Because we're all facing each other like a Mexican standoff. That would make sense. Uh, uh, well, I, I think we're being blown backwards, actually. Like, uh, like one of us is go- he's going, no, no, you got to hit that button. You got to charge it with the nitrogen. Yeah. So one and of I- us is hitting it, like shaking it and hitting the gun. Like, why is this working? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good moment. Oh, are we self-aggrandizing yet? Is that? Well, listen, it's not often we get killed in such an awesome way in a comic. Last That's time it was true. sort of a horrible Joker death. This is funnier. Yeah, it's true. But I will say this is becoming a pattern. Well, I mean, we do this for something. If it's so we can have this moment that we do this every week for our entire lives, then let's enjoy it. Let's not uh, let's not play cool. So another book that I really loved, and I thought about making the pick, was That Texas Blood 15, which is a book we talk about a lot. It's honestly one of my favorite comics. There's nothing like it. Uh, exactly. And I, you know, we used to do the, our top five books when we do the but barbecue shows in the summertime, which we don't do anymore, but... I don't know that this wouldn't be in the contention to put in that top five list right now. Especially right now, this particular arc has been really well done. Uh, this is the creepy serial killer arc that's in the set in the past. Our main sheriff character is a young man having just become sheriff. I don't remember what year this, this was, but it doesn't really matter. It's been like the first arc was sort of now, and then we went way back, and then this is a little after that. So, 90s maybe here. He's got bitch and um, hair and a mustache, so it could be yeah, a... Yeah, totally. And the first issue of this story was fucking creepy as hell as, you know, the sort of scream-esque opening with the serial killer with a with the creepy mask killed the young woman in her house. And here is sort of the aftermath of the sheriff and his deputies have, are freaking out. And and then the, the serial killer had called the, the sheriff's office. Like, it's, it's the dawning realization that they've got a serious problem on their hands as this famous serial killer in Texas who's been killing all over the state has shown up in their county. And I thought this was terrific. You're absolutely right. And and it is it there was a little bit, I think, before it figured itself out. I want to say somewhere in the second arc where yes. I was like, is this gonna be all right? And since then, like it just like they they got it. And and I and I you know we can talk about the story or whatever, but I mean Jacob Phillips, mm-hmm. you know, a guy just emerged fully formed, you know, from from under his dad's tutelage or example. But there's a bit, let's see, it's um, when they're in the office sort of going over it, it would be page six, and the mm-hmm. camera the is, page, yep. is up top, and over the page it zooms in further, a little Watchman effect, basically, yep. you know, all the way in, and, and it's just, like, it's just beautiful shots and storytelling, and actually the one, bef- the page before that, you know, we see the bag, the evidence bag, and then we flip it over and we see them from the other side looking down over it. It's just, it's really, I mean, it's storyboard-like in a way, like, th- that makes it cinematic. And that's not necessarily a, a, a good or a bad thing for comics, but it works in this instance because it, it really, I mean, I would struggle to think of another comic book that is doing sort of this crime, like, real-life crime yep. that feels like when you watch an episode of True Detective. Right. Like, it feels like that. And I don't mean I'm just using that show as an example, or or a, a Coen Brothers, you know, like a, a real straightforward sort of Fargo kind of thing. It 
feels like that. And that's not usual. It just ha- has a pace. His dad and Brubaker are doing this terrific series of OGNs that are crime books, but they're urban crime. Most, you know, most mm-hmm. comic creators live in urban areas, and most of them do, when, when they do those kind of books, they do urban crime. But this is totally rural. It's a different flavor. This isn't like a mm-hmm. bunch of hardened detectives in the city. This is like a b- bunch of county sheriffs who usually get a, like a couple of weeks of training to be a police, an officer, and that's it. Now they're dealing with the serial killer. It's interesting. There's a couple of devices that make it work in that, like, so if this was Columbo, right? you know, every week a different thing would happen and, and eventually be like, boy, this guy's busy. <laughs> but in this, what they're doing is they've got the sheriff as the linchpin of the whole thing. And you're basically coming to him at different parts in his career in each arc. Yeah. You know, there's old man one, there's young man one, there's sort of middle, you know, guy. And it, it works because it, it actually feels realistic. Like, okay, over a 30 or 40 year career as is, is police, these are the things that would happen. You know, right. it isn't just like, oh no, the phone's ringing again. It's kind of, it, it's elegant in a way, how it's sort of paced and structured. It's the highlights, which I say, not ironically, but it's, you know, most of the time he says it, he's like dealing with like somebody parked in front of the place he's not supposed to park or, you know, some other, you know, mm-hmm. s- small town issue. And these are the, these are the cases that were different. The acting in this is spectacular. Yeah. I mean, you just watch, you could, not quite, but you can tell what's going on in the scene without the word balloons. You can, yeah. you can tell what flavor the interactions are. And then if I have one more, there's a shot, there's a blizzard going on at the time this is happening, which is sort of the other element of, of impending doom. And at one point they are inside and he has to go somewhere and you, you cut to them driving the police jeep along the sort of Texas plains and it's snowing. And I was like, boy, that really looks good. Like it yeah. looks cold and snowy, like it's a blizzard. And, you know, it's just so well done for guys who are not, you know, haven't been in the game that long. And I like that. On page 24, the sheriff just has terrible mic awareness when he's on the radio show. I mean, I don't blame him. He's, he's a sheriff. Well, the, I mean, that's the thing. Like he's we got can... his hand around the microphone. Oh, God. Like, Think of buddy. all the poor listeners. Yeah. Buddy. Oh, buddy. <laughs> to be fair, the DJ guy swings the mic over to him. Right. I mean, like he's talking to the wrong side of it, which is fine. But then in the, in the second to last panel, he's got his hand wrapped around oh, yeah, the yeah, no, that's... mic. And that is just un- that's unforgivable. <laughs> This is great. great. This has been really great. I know at first we weren't quite sure, and I, I yep. think they were still figuring it out. And Chris Condon, who is a writer from New Jersey, I don't think had quite gotten the dialect, or at least you know made it feel authentic. Mm-hmm. But I think they've all figured it out at this point, and it's very good. But we also, I remember, because we were like, it's almost there, and it's impressive yes. because of that. Yes. If he can work it out, and then they work it out, and you're like, oh, you did it! Like that's every time I see it on the list, I'm like, yes, yeah. Last issue of The Amazing Spider-Man 898 was pick of the week, and I was like, this could be it again. This is a great arc. And kind of like Batman, they've been using this introductory arc of the new creative team of Zeb Wells and Ron Romita Jr., and we have two legacy artists in a row here. You know, sort to sort of reset the, the, the Spider-Man table, and this is the last issue of that arc before we get to the big issue 900, which is also Spider-Man 6, which is such a great thing. Why, 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 why have, you know, your first issue 900 Marvel Comics be issue six? That's awesome. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, I, I thought this was really great. There's a couple things that are great here. One is, you know, the fallout of him getting just beaten to hell by Tombstone is his face is just bloody and, and swollen the whole ep- issue. It is, but, and it, it definitely is conveyed by the art in the, yeah. in the sort of sense that like, oh, I understand this. Anatomically, <laughs> maybe a bit weird. Uh, like this, he just looks like, he looks like the Toxic Avenger half of it. I enjoyed him and Black Cat's little flirty banter. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, this is why he can't be married for me. Like he needs to be able to have this kind of interactions. And we've always liked their relationship where she can come to him and, you know, as the ex-girlfriend and say, hey, you're being an asshole. Why are you being an asshole? You're not an asshole. Mm-hmm. He can be chagrined because he can put up a yeah. f- tough facade to almost everybody else. But there's like three or four characters she can't. She's one of them. So finally she says, listen, when you find your smile again, give me a call. I'll, I'll let you chase me around a bit. And I was like, yes, that's what I want. And then I love this debt collector, even though he wouldn't be at Peter's house every single day. But I do like, find it funny that he's sitting on his stoop. And his opinion is that Peter never comes or goes. He's hiding out in the house, even though P- Peter is constantly coming and going via the roof. I thought that was funny. And there something has to be something else about that guy. Right. Because eventually the cost of his salary is going to outstrip the cost of what he owes. Yeah. The superhero stuff was good to him and Tombstone and him fucking up Tombstone's plan. Like, all, all that was good, and I, I liked all of this. And, I, yeah, I like the... There's a pride aspect to the story that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Like, he was fooled. He was duped. And then he has to come to terms with it and figure it out. And I think that it's handled, you know, with aplomb. It's yeah. one of those things. Like, it's one thing to have, you know, cool moments and, and plots and fights and things like that. You know, and emotional moments. You can kind of do that. But you have to plan how he's going to respond to Tombstone and how it is. And I liked it. I liked that he got a little of his swagger back. Uh, there's one thing that we need to discuss uh-huh. in the ongoing series. Let's start right on at page one. Uh-huh. And it's confirmed on panel three of page two. What the fuck is wrong with that ice cream cone? Hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. It's not. That's yeah. It. Uh, that's like webbing. It does not look like sugar, and does not look like. There are no ice cream cones that look like that. It yeah. looks like a. It looks like a croissant. It does it's not. <laughs> Maybe that's the hip thing in Brooklyn now, Josh. Both of us haven't been yep. gone for a while. Maybe it's all tipsters putting ice cream in croissants. Croissant cones. Could yeah. Be. Croissant. Could be. There were multiple food moments, while not necessarily pizza this week. And if I can remember what they are, oh, there was a, there was a pizza will. where we were on the edge. There was a pizza moment. I don't remember what book it was. We were on the edge of yeah. them holding it wrong. You're right. It, lo- it doesn't look like a waffle cone or a, or a sugar cone. It just looks like a croissant. Oh, I know what the other one was. We don't have it on the list, but in Strange Academy, the last page is a copy of the receipt from all the pizza that they got. Oh yeah, that was the pizza one. Yeah, and the the. The prices are way off. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting a large pizza for eight bucks. Yeah, I mean, there's a pizza place near me that does a Tuesday, Thursday large pizza deal, and it's, it's ten bucks. I mean, I guess if you order, it's crazy. Sixty pizza. <laughs> I guess you I, mean, I guess it's possible. Yeah. Listen, it was a great gag, and it's a nice bit of uh, uh, you know design for the thing. But I was like, these prices don't seem right. These, are, these prices are, are insane. These are, these are, <laughs> these are ninety-two prices. <laughs> Speaking of prices, mm. <laughs> you oh, wait, we do have a strange academy wait. list. It's in the next segment. We just oh, jumped the gun well, on that. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I didn't read that far. That's okay. It's a surprise. It's like a it's like a reveal for you. If you like this kind of show organization and this 
sort of tight adherence to a broadcast standard that we here at iFanboy uphold and, and treasure and cherish. And excellence, cherish. really. Excellence. Excellence. That's what we're about. Yeah. <laughs> Both not, not only in, in how we approach our task, but also in how specifically comic book artists approach drawing and uh, representing food. That's, that's become our thing. Write down a t-shirt about that. Something about, something about a t-shirt on that. And the thing is, like, it's usually because we're hungry. Like, I'm doing this before I've had any food. <laughs> Josh is at around lunchtime. There's a reason. There's always a reason. Sure. There's a reason for it. And also, I just like to say, no matter what is going on in our lives, <laughs> this is, you know, this, it's the adherence to podcasting excellence that I appreciate no matter how much is happening around us. Yeah. So what I'm getting at is that patreon.com slash ifanboy is a place where you can you can say directly with your coins I want you to do more of this thing and I have the ability to and the desire to help support that and it's not just it's not just us that we're doing it for it's, it helps everybody because there's goals and those goals lead to programs to content to other things for you to put in your ear holes mm-hmm. that said we are gonna we're going to change the goals around a little bit. Yeah, we, I know we've been mentioning it, but we're actually, we actually have put a meeting on the books. To do so, we have slipped once again below the level of the media explode, but we want to keep doing those. So we're going we're gonna to move things around a bit, and we'll, we'll, we'll give you the update when that happens. It may not happen right away because I'm about to go on vacation, but um, we are <laughs> going to, to change Way to present hardship, Connor. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to, to Ibiza. I'm saying I'm going on vacation. <laughs> No, you're going to see time off. for the first time in a long time, and you deserve that. It's been two years. So, in all realistiness, the folks who are willing and, and able, because I know, I know that not everyone is able, and it is some weird times, and electricity bills are doubling, and all the stuff. Yeah. If if you're able to do it and support the show, we appreciate you immensely, and we appreciate everybody who listens, even if you don't do that. But the folks who do support it and have supported it like for a long time, yes, you know that is humbling. And you honor us in that, like, oh, wow, we really are able to do a thing that you were very committed to being a part of and to listening to. And that, that must mean we're doing something good that affects somebody and that makes us feel good. So thank you to everybody who does that, who's able to keep doing that. If you can't, for whatever reasons, we get that too. So we, we will do our shows, but we will do more shows if more people can donate in that way. But that's where we are. So thank you to everybody. You can also go to ifanboy.threadless.com where you can purchase shirts and clothing and items and sundries and such with some of our humorous designs things that only people who listen to the show would understand and and what you're doing is you're taking your life in your own hands as you venture out and somebody goes what does that mean clint is dead and that's that's maybe the kind of way you want to be that's the way i want to be there was one time where i was putting a shirt on and i went you know what i don't want to have the conversation (laughs) i took it off and i put a different shirt on that's fine that, it was just that, that day. I wasn't, I wasn't in the mood that day. Other yeah. days, I, I don't care. I like it. It means it's just for you. It's, sure. just, it's, like, it's like you're wearing a band shirt, and nobody in the world knows what that band is. We're like that band, but older and fatter. Super underground. <laughs> we are. We are totally an independent label. We're so far underground, we can't see the sun. We're like Mole Man. <laughs> if we could, someone could just dig a small tunnel, <laughs> see the sun, that would be good. You can uh, avoid all that and go to ifanboy.com slash support where there's a PayPal link. If you wanted to leave a, a virtual tip or, or do something there, then that's possible. 
And then you can go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon to use that link to sort of purchase whatever stuff it is on Amazon and we get part of that or links to buy the books that we do on Bookxplodes or the music in every show or the issues are always linked there, the pick of the week issue on ifanboy.com. And then finally, there's bookshop.org, which helps local bookstores. It is uh, is sort of an alternative to Amazon, where if you want to, you know, purchase whatever books, probably not the single issues. I'm guessing not, but uh, no, but that's real good yeah. because local bookstores are the business, and they need your help. And so that is one more way to help them and do the right thing and still get the books. Do the right thing, Radio Rahim. I don't remember what we said about the closet when it was the patron pick, whether we were going to stick with it or not. So this week, with the closet number two came out, I was like, "Am I supposed to read this? I don't remember if I said I would, but then I said, "I'll just give it a shot." This is James Tenney the Fourth and Gavin Fullerton on art. And this was good. I don't know how much longer I'm going to stick with it because I want to strangle this motherfucker, the main mm-hmm. character. Yeah. But I thought it was a really well done issue, and I thought the conversation with him and his buddy were was good. And it's just that the main character is the worst, and I. <laughs> It's hard to be around him. You're right, but I think that there is a realness oh, totally. to it. That Well, I mean, like, I don't think James Tinian has kids or, like, a family like that. I could be wrong. I mean, I haven't, talk, I haven't talked to him in years and years and years and years, but uh, it's, there's, there's some real emotions and reactions here that let's say in a weaker person would yeah, really yeah. take over and you want to do the right thing and you're just you're just not you're just not doing it and it, it it's it's easy to understand him but it's very hard to forgive him it, yeah, or just be around him, him. yeah no and it, and it, i think that the actual depiction of the friend who's like what the fuck happened to you and he's not letting him off the hook yeah. was really refreshing i mean it's like i like that guy a lot those, yeah i did despite too. his ponytail yeah, uh, you know, that said, the closet part, Yeah, the monster under the bed, the alien, whatever, like, I don't care. I don't care, although I, I will say, so while, you know, it's it's the son and the dad from the first issue, uh, the dad's a fuck up, the son has got a monster in a closet problem, they're, they're driving across country to, to Portland, they're all going to Portland. Mm-hmm. Does this take place 10 years ago? Because I don't know that you can afford Portland anymore. They go to Portland, so they stop at his, the, the the dad's buddy's house, and you know the kid's still afraid of the monster in the closet. So he's like, "Don't worry about it. We're in this this guy's house. The, the closet's back east. The monster's gone, but the monster's not gone." I thought there was a really visceral scene here where the monster appears, and the kid you know throws this toy at it and runs to his dad, but the dad's outside at the fire pit with the with his buddy, mm-hmm. and so the kid, much like Rick Moranis in Ghostbusters. At the at the window of Tavern on the Green is 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 there, banging on the banging on the sliding door for help, but no words come out. And we've all had that dream, you know, where you can't it's a, talk. It's a real. It's a. It's it is a really well drawn sequence. I will yes. give you that. Like when I say I don't care about it, I mean like I don't. I feel like like there's a great human drama here. Yeah. Period. You know, and maybe it's a metaphor or whatever, but I don't. I don't think it's necessary. But you're right that that sequence is is spectacular and scary. Somebody let me in. Maybe I got a milk bone. Anyway, <laughs> the dad's so, awful. Yes, in a really well done way. You know, like the guy's calling him out for all his foibles, and I guess he cheated on his wife. And he's like, "Yeah, I know. I feel terrible, and we've t- we've gone through therapy, and we're in a better place, and yada yada yada." On the other hand, it was great to have the 
girl want me? And the guy was like, okay, this conversation's over. Like, he's like, he's got no time for this bullshit anymore. This dude has the setup. <laughs> Lives in the middle of nowhere. He doesn't have any kids. <laughs> but he's got a bunch of Legos. Just gets loaded and builds Legos and listens to Pink Floyd or whatever. <laughs> I like this dude. I want to hang out with this dude. So, you know, this bought me, I think, one more, another issue. This is going to be a case-by-case yeah. comic. Sure. Each one's going to have to be good like this. The more we delve into the monster, the less I'm going to care about it. But Hey, look, Strange Academy. That's where we're at now with the... I only pizza. had one note about it. I already went past it. This is the final issue, although not the last issue, because in the Mighty Marvel manner, uh, it's going to be rebooted at the number one after the summertime. So I'm fine with that. Whatever. Yeah, business. I like the book. I'm happy it's not going away. I like the twist that Emily is the villain, the sweet you know, Midwestern girl who was originally our eyes and ears into this crazy world of magic in Marvel. It's not any of the obvious villains. It's her. She has been corrupted by the dark magic, and she is the problem. I like that twist. It was a good twist. Mm-hmm. There was some good bits in here. The joke about the kid pretending to be Doctor Strange with the fake mustache to get the pizzas was funny in an over-the-top I say, way. having told the story of when we ordered too many pizzas on the show, which we're not going to do again. Yeah. I think they definitely ordered too many pizzas. <laughs> well, there are kids. Those that meta- you know, those metabolisms off the charts. I know, but that's a lot. There's eight. There's eight. There's like sixty pizzas. Also, yeah. they don't fit in that smart car. And B, <laughs> that's New York City pizza. This takes place now. No one's selling them an eight dollar pizza. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm looking little. at the receipt, and the the meat lovers pizza is ten dollars. Well, the base price is eight. We know. Yeah, that. the eight. The, the large cheese is eight. They're charging two dollars for all the meats. No way. Number three, no self-respecting New York place is selling a Hawaiian pizza. What else we got here? Well, but in the, it, tangentially, outside of uh, the Sanctum Sanctorum, the pizza guy pulls up. He's in a full uniform. He's in a little smart gar that is bedecked out with with graphics and a big pizza slice on top. I've never seen that in my life in New York City. <laughs> That is a thing that happens somewhere else, but that yeah. does not happen in the city. That car would get destroyed. That car would not make it a day. People would pick that car up and throw it in the river. <laughs> so, Literally. Also, why did they order 10 large anchovies pizzas? There I did enjoy the joke about the barbecue chicken pizza where it says, please add screams to the tormented. And the note was, we had the delivery driver scream at the pizza. It was cathartic. Thank you. It was good. It's a good gag. It's a good book. This is a funny book. It's a and it's great. It's a, and It's got good yeah. action and... And Martha Ramos is terrific. Good long-form plotting. It's a delight and a joy. It's a thing that Scotty Young uh, can be really proud of in terms of creating. And uh, yeah, that consistency on art is the whole deal right there, I think. As I was reading, I thought, this doesn't feel like a final issue. No. And then it got to the end and said, we're we're coming back after the summer with a new number one. I was like, of course you are. Of course (laughs) you are. Speaking of endings, this was the last hurrah for Conan the Barbarian at Marvel. King Conan number six, as the license switches to another company, when I already forgot which one it is, Marvel no longer has a license. I think they're still negotiating to keep him in Savage Avengers, but this is the last of the solo books. It's been a long time, long run. I got to say, if Mahmoud Azrar isn't drawing Conan, I don't know if I care about Conan. <laughs> that's that's what I think. And uh, and talking to him on my talks below recently only solidified that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, also... You know, it's Jason Aaron. It's very low-key Jason Aaron. Like, it doesn't scream Jason Aaron, but, I mean, like, he's, this is his jam. He's made to write stuff like this. Oh, for sure. And I think it shows. You know, this was a great little miniseries. I'm, I would have gone another six on this easy. I'm really glad they didn't kill him. to let this go. Right. 
yeah. they wanted us to think he was dead because they find the sword and you're like, oh no, he's dead. But and I thought, you know, it's possible. We've been killing our immortal icons lately. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen various things. But I thought it was possible, but I'm glad they didn't because Conan, to me, is a character that should be, as it happens in the book, he should be living forever on an eternal quest for more adventure. And I like so how he, that was phrased. It was like the kid that he, like, he looks back, you know, it, himself as a boy in the tree, you know, mm-hmm. when will it be enough? And he's like, the boy said it's not, or whatever it was. But right. he will, you know, and the, the, the kid throws his sword out there and... I mean, and Jason Aaron is the comic book industry leader on putting sharks into comics, and I'm all for it. <laughs> there should be as many sharks as possible, space sharks. King shark. Real sharks, uh, yeah. you know, all, all that, all those kind of, put those sharks in. And then let's end with the fact that he got off the island by building a boat out of the fingernails of the dead. And a paddle out of bones. Fuck and yeah. Then he, and then I assume he's paddling to America, to the new yeah. world. This was a good run. He's been the the rights have been in Marvel for a long time. They had a lot of great series. There were great series at other companies, but this was yeah. a good run at Marvel. I mean, I the main it. book wasn't tainted at any point by having uh, Marvel people in it, and it's I'm so glad about that. Yeah, like put Conan on other stuff if you want to, but keep this Conan book, Conan, which is what they did. And uh, you know, when I had Asrar in the show, he said um, like his guy was John Buscema. Mm-hmm. And, and John Buscema, it was like the Conan guy in the 70s. And and knowing that and seeing sort of how this art was done and what it looks like, it's just perfect. It's yeah. it's like that legacy is complete. And you remember like reading the How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. For sure. I've got it here in my office. If you look at page five and it has Conan 2 sitting on that throne. And I one of the things I remember about that book is that they were like your figures have to look like they have weight mm-hmm. and heft. And you see him sitting on that chair and his, his weight's borne off to the right side. And he's, it's like, he's just, he's there. It's also a canted angle, which they yeah. talk about in the book also. Yep. And like, there was a, there was a shot of, I'll never forget it. Like there's a shot of Dr. Doom. You know, mm-hmm. he's got his arms up in the air and it's a good drawing. And then the next page is when they sort of add weight to it. And I'm still don't fully understand what the differences are, how they do it, but he just, has more of a presence there. And like, I look at this page and the stuff in here, and I was like, oh, that's that thing. That's the yeah. thing they're doing. And, and they, it's, yeah, uh, it's also the angle. They, it's a straight on angle yeah. of him being angry. But then the next page, it's, it's a canted angle of more weight to it. It's bodies. It, you can just tell the difference between the two. Look at the fight scenes. I mean, you could take every word out of this. I mean, it's brilliant. It's yeah. so good. It's a good book. Yeah. Really good book. I loved it. Yeah. A good week of comics. It really was. Yeah, you're right. I really had fun reading comics as an escape from everything else. Those are the books we're going to talk about. At patreon.com slash fm, where the patrons get a say, they get a, to add a book to the rundown for whatever Machiavellian reasons they have to pick a book. And this week, the pick was Starhenge, book one, The Dragon and the Boar, number one, from Image Comics by Liam Sharp, with additional art by Matilda McCormick Sharp. And uh, Liam Sharp has been around for a long time. But I think he's someone that landed on most people's doorsteps with the Green Lantern book, mm-hmm. at least in a big way, because the first half of the book was really popular and sold really well. He did a lot of other things since then. He did a Batman Wonder Woman story. He did a couple issues of Batman Catwoman. So here we have him doing a sci-fi book at Image. And I think Liam Sharp is incredibly 
talented as an artist. He he can do a lot of different styles, a lot of different ways. His stuff is beautiful. Uh, this was a slog. This was this was rough. So I saw the title, <laughs> and I went, "All right, well, it's the number one, so I'm gonna look at it." Mm-hmm. And then I saw the entire title and the cover, and I went, "Oh boy!" And then I saw Liam Sharp, who I believe is also an extremely talented artist, and to be fair, not a bad writer. I yeah. Think, like in here, I was, I was like, "Okay, there's there's uh, there's definitely a skill here," but there is a apparently was i understand it like he just draws whatever he wants however he wants when he does a book mm-hmm. and so this is the thing where he can sort of let it go and i i i got to this first page and i was like oh no <laughs> prologue woe unto the red dragon for his end draws near and i was like oh i don't have this in me <laughs> and then there's a bunch of pages of astral whatnot and then barbarians and there's no words for quite a while and we're in, we're in medieval times, and then we switch to the future times, which isn't that far, 2112. And then the, 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 the tone of the book shifts entirely to sort of a, a young person. And Florence Pugh shows up. Right. And I liked that part. I liked the, pre- the part where the two people are living in the world that we're in, and they were talking to each other, and I was like, this is actually pretty good. Although, in terms of sort of telling the story, the art there's a little boring. <laughs> <laughs> the panels don't change. The conversation was interesting. Well, because he's doing, he's he's drawing this actress, and so it's not super dynamic because he's clearly photo referencing. Yeah, I don't have a problem with photo referencing, but he's clearly photo referencing her from various films, and so it's not mm-hmm. incredibly dynamic. That part was the best part, in which this English nerdy goth girl in America in California has a football player boyfriend, and they're very different, but they like each other clearly, and mm-hmm. that part was fun. It's just that the pro. Hmm. The prologue, as you said, was sort of like super ponderous, overwrought, pretentious, hard Mm sci-fi. And then I felt like the entire rest of the issue after the title page was someone telling me about things, but they never showed me any of it. And I don't even know what the story of this book is. I don't know why I would read the next issue. I got the idea, like there's magic and there's science and we found other worlds. And to live on those other worlds, some people get modified, which is called carking. And then there's these Marvel cosmic beings, you know, and then we go back to the past and there's mermen and then there's a, a Merlin. It just, it was everything. Yeah. Everything thrown into a blender, which is what his art is. I mean, it is, if ever there was a book that seems like it, it, it would sort of represent how this, how this dude draws and, and drawing is, is not even inclusive of what it is he's doing. It's this. It's everything all at once. And and I think if you can focus it, I think it is wonderful. But if you can't, it's it's ambiguous. There was nothing compelling to get me to read the next issue or want to know what happens next. Because I don't even know what I'm supposed to be following because there's so many different timelines. And I think you have to like what this feels like. Yeah, and I like sci-fi. I've always liked sci-fi. And I've read a lot of hard yeah. sci-fi. But I don't tend to like hard sci-fi as much as I like other kinds of sci-fi. And... This was rough. But you can do hard sci-fi without making it utterly so much work mm-hmm. to know what's going on. This is like Dune or The Foundation or something like that. But like, I, they didn't give me anything that I was like, oh man, I can't wait to see what happens next because I don't know what just happened. Right. Yeah, this is rough. This is rough. Starhenge book one, The Dragon and the Boar number one, 
ratings out of five. Let me, let me do you think this was bad? I don't think it was successful. That's a good way to look at it. Like, I don't, I want to know, is this one of those things, like, sometimes with horror books, I think this, like, are there people, like, this is their thing, and they really are into it, like, you know, whatever, some sort of subgenre of metal music or something like that, where they're seeing what's going on here, and we're not. I mean, maybe. Um, I'm not, like you said, there were scenes and sequences in here that were good, and... I get what you said. Like the plot summary you said makes sense to me. Like all those things happened and were said, but they weren't to me cohesive. It oh, didn't. No. To, yeah. It no, didn't to totally. me drive the story a story forward to the point where I'm like, I want to find out what happens next. Like the closet, which was a previous patron pick, wasn't my thing and my genre, but it, it told a compelling story with characters that were interesting. That what made me want to read the next issue. This I don't even know what you know. I don't know where this is going because it's. It's a lot of removed third-person narration about things that happened. And again, they didn't actually show those things happening. It just was things that happened. Well, that might have been happening on the page. It's hard to tell. Right. Maybe. Ratings. It was rough. Ratings. Two out of five. Same. Sticking with it. No. No. Unfortunate. No. Unfortunate. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go to add a book to the rundown. Every patron gets a vote. One patron, one vote. But if you're a patron at the $5 or higher level, you get a superpower live on the show. We like to give them out. That's fun. We've given out over a 1,000 of them. Oh, load these many years, which is a lot. Which is why you get things like (laughs) Jim Hearn, whose power is caramel. The melted sugar concoction. Yes. In Twix. Or any delicious candy. Um, Jim can... (laughs) Jim can uh, create and stuff anything with caramel. All right. So, whatever you want, he can fill it with caramel. Can I tell you something? I really like caramel. That's crazy. It's just sugar. Yeah, I know, but it's got that... You know, it's it's caramel. It's got a slightly different flavor to it. Mm -hmm. There's that... Burnt's not the word, but you know it's a different thing. Like I can I can deal with it, but like a thing that is primarily caramel, like a caramel sundae or mm-hmm. a caramel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I, don't like I, I need to pair it with other flavors for sure. I'm not just going to eat caramel. Like I'm not, for example, going to always pick a Three Musketeers over a Milky Way. It mm-hmm. depends on the day. But if it's like all caramel, or like you know those chocolate balls, is like it's a big. Being a caramel in the middle and it's covered in chocolate. Like, I, don't, I don't like that. It's too much. Oh, I do like I feel that. It's going to pull my fillings out. I'm going to have Jim fill you with caramel. I mean, there's not scientific evidence that that hasn't already happened. <laughs> I mean, like, I wouldn't, like, if you cut into me and a bunch of caramel fell out, I wouldn't be like, what? <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I mean, the sugar's there. It just needs to be, you know. It may have congealed in a caramel while you were This is were what I'm looking. getting at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every once in a while I exercise, and that creates so much heat that... <laughs> it burns into caramel. Doctor, Everyone's like, why does it smell this. so good in this gym? It's like the caramel guy's back. Do- doctor, I don't know how to explain this, but <laughs> he's full of caramel. <laughs> we need to get him into surgery right now. we got a bunch of Sundays. we got to drain him <laughs> full of caramel. The instruments are all sticky. <laughs> like, oh no, what are we going to do? Nick Maynard removes impurities. 
Hmm. He will take care of impurities and things. He's he can make clean water. He can clean out your small engines to work in your yard. He can he can uh, he cleans the shower like a son of a bitch. He's but, like a human uh, filter. Know. Yeah, yeah. He 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 pulls out impurities. What He's about a air filter? Yeah, there's impurities in air. He takes that stuff away too. But nothing nothing you don't want to be removed. Is there like a like a What's the area of effect here? Like, can Nick clean the air in a room in a in a neighborhood? I want to go ahead and th- I want to go ahead and think of it like like a Marvel psychic. Like they can do a lot if they really concentrate on right. it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like like if if Jean Grey wants to, she can psychicize the whole world. Sure. But it's gonna be a little bit of blood coming out of her nose, though. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's how this works for Nick. So if so Nick really wanted to what purify to all the air, he'd get a little nosebleed and a headache. I mean, it could be. I mean, it could be like that. Could be too much. And he might go evil from the. From it's the absolutely possible because, and then which is the question: Can he impurify? Ooh. I don't know. We don't know that. That might be. That's fifty issues in. Some shit's gone wrong, and he's like, "Forget it. You can have it all back." He and Jim team up for impure caramel. No, it depends on what the impurity is, though. Right. Coconut. What if it's flecks of chocolate? That's good. What if it's flecks of white chocolate? That's terrible. <laughs> and let's just be honest. White chocolate is terrible. Why does it exist? I don't know. It's Here's something like, that's like, amazing, but we're going to make it taste terrible. It's not even chocolate. It's just, no. it's, just it's, 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 it's done to look a certain way. Like, hey, look, it's not brown. It's white. Oh, but it tastes like shit. That's right. <laughs> don't you love it? It doesn't have the right. No. It doesn't have the right texture. I don't care what it looks like. Did it, when you were a kid, did anyone ever hand you like a white chocolate bar? bar? Like, here, here's, here's white chocolate. And you'd be like, yeah. why, why did I just bite into that? I mean, at the time, there was a lot worse candy than that. Sure. So I would have gone with it okay, you know, compared to like Necco wafers or, or you know, other terrible ones. But like now, if I was going to eat chocolate, I would, I, would, I would say nay to white chocolate. I, would not, I wouldn't even bother. That is not worth the sugar that is going to go into my body for this bland waste of of chewing you gotta fuel that internal body caramel somehow nick may nick maynard can rid the world of white chocolate which is in itself an impurity <laughs> we're drawing the line i think we're drawing the line on that I, I like that we have never talked about that and we're immediately on the same page oh yeah for sure yeah patreon.com slash ifanboy that's where you can go to get your superpowers whether they are chocolate or caramel based or not i told you we're hungry like my stomach started growling during that segment. Would you eat white chocolate right now, though? No. Right. No. <laughs> uh, I think we're long, so I don't know if we want to do an email or not. Uh, I'll save it. We save can skip it. it. We'll save it for save next it. time. Contact at ifanboy.com is how you can write in. Sorry for the, for the email person who didn't get their email. We're going to do it again. We just, we're a little long. It's a, it's a lot going on today. Uh, you know. There's just a lot happening. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end the show. First we're gonna talk about some some other shows we've done this past month of July. Uh, we just released the media explode for this month where we did the summer mailbag in which me and Josh and Ron Richards before the terrible accident with the freeze guns, you know, answered your emails. <laughs> Unlike this show, we actually had the time for it. A lot of fun. There was a pizza discussion. There was a and a brothers discussion. There was a Goodfellas discussion. All kinds of fun things. There was a Star Wars toy discussion. So that was super fun. You can look for that right behind the show in the feed. Then coming up, 
at some point in the next week or so will be a review of Thor Love and Thunder. We haven't figured that out yet, but that's going to hopefully happen soonish. And then later on in the month, Josh will have a talk explode because he just recorded it. Yeah, we have a, a new episode coming out. Was it July? It'll be in July. I spoke with Rainbow Rowell, and she did that great run on Runaways. She's doing She-Hulk now and is a very well-known prose author. Yes. Uh, YA uh, stuff, which she's much better known for than comics. <laughs> At the beginning, I was like, I'm going to be honest. I don't know anything about the others. Like, I, I read the Wikipedia page, but yeah. uh, other people who have talked to you about this better than this, we're here to talk about comics. She said, that's cool. She's a, a lovely, lovely person, and I, I enjoyed talking to her, as I do to all the people on the show. But yeah, she was great. So that will be coming along soon. I mean, we mostly talk about Runaways. She loved that Runaways book. And I mean loved in the sense, like, the way that it was created. And, well, she wrote and, it for a long time, right? Everything. Yeah, which is which is I mean, to me, like the the thing was is that those first couple of issues, I just went, "This is not someone who's never written comics," right? And uh, and it was. That was her first comics writing. Yeah. Good for good for her. Yeah. So you'll find out how that worked if you awesome. listen to the show. So that'll be coming out in July, also. Yeah. You can find all the shows that we ever did, all of the other podcasts and talksplodes and everything. And I do know that she did some research on me and listened to some shows before she agreed to talk to me, which is a good move. Okay. But I passed the test. Which shows do you know? <laughs> I, I she <laughs> she listened to the she listened to uh, when we first talked about Runaways, which means oh. she had to look for it. And she was like, "You did well because you said you liked it, and the other guys didn't." I was like, "Yeah, that's about right." And I was like, "And I stuck it the whole way." I, it's funny because when I did Brad Meltzer, yeah on the show a while back. I don't remember. I think he reached out. I don't remember how it happened. Yeah, he reached out to Judd. Right. But anyway, well, no, that's what I'm saying. I don't remember how I started talking to him. But but he said at the end of the show, he goes, that was good. I reached out to some people. I reached out to Judd and Chris to make sure you weren't a douchebag. And you weren't. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't think I read that comic, the Runaways book. You didn't. Maybe it was somebody you didn't like the first issue or so. You and Ron were still on the show at that time. I don't think I read it though. I think maybe Ron did. Oh, it was great. I mean, it was great. I don't like when they listen. I I told her that too. I said, <laughs> "Oh, I hate when the people who make the comics listen to it." And like somebody like Tom King has said, "Oh, I can't listen anymore." Right. Which is the correct response. Yeah. So we can all coexist together. <laughs> that's that's how spitefully murderous twice. Exactly. <laughs> You've been pretty nice. But you know we you know heroes in crisis. Yeah, I've been honest. Individually, we're over at Instagram. I'll come around. Instagram at CS Kilpatrick and Jay Flanagan. But you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by following at iFanboy on Twitter and at iFanboy Comics on Instagram. You can subscribe to our YouTube page at YouTube dot com slash i i'm gonna start pronouncing it a little more britishly to uh, keep up to date with our old video show reuploads. The full length shows are all uploaded. We're down to two no, no, more weeks. No, no, sorry. I didn't update that. One, this, next, this coming week's our final week. One more week of minis. This is yeah. it. So this past... You know you can be excited about whatever these last ones are. We really probably saved up, and you'll get like <laughs> two things that are completely irrelevant. But this past week, you got New Comics Preview <laughs> from October 1st, 2008. It was all three of us together. Oh, look at that. Yeah. That makes it slightly less irrelevant. And. Yeah. What was either really fun or really disappointing after the great title of Ode to the Beyonder. Oh, no. This is one of the ones I'm most proud of because it, it involved like yeah. the entire you know, organization. So Ode to the Beyonder, which I urge everyone to check out if you haven't seen before, was a column originally written by Jim Ruchkowski. It was a 
mind-blowing, like, 25 stanza poem about the Beyonder. Holy cow. You don't remember that? that like, he's a, he, I don't remember anything. When you just told me about what happened in the media explode we just yeah. did, I had no recollection of that at all. <laughs> he's a genius. And yes. uh, he, he wrote this crazy 25-some-odd stanza poem about the Beyonder, having read Secret Wars 2, all the issues. And, you know, as we were coming to the close in the minis, our buddy Augie DeBleak Jr. sent in unprompted and unasked for a dramatic reading of that poem. Just to us, just for fun. That's amazing. And so I took coming back to me. I took that audio and I set it to images. And mm-hmm. so it was a, it was, you know, a group effort. I'm really proud of it. Although I rewatching, I was like, oh man, I would change that. I would fix that. I would do that different. Sure. Huh. Check it out if you haven't seen it on our YouTube page, Ode to the Beyonder. Also, just if you want to read it, just go to iFanboy.com and search Ode to the Beyonder or just search in Google iFanboy Ode to the Beyonder. It's worth reading just in, in word form. Um, pretty awesome. impressive. One of my favorite minis we ever did. Cool. Yeah. Oh, it's my turn. Hey, if you like yep. the show, consider leaving a review or star rating on Apple Podcasts or your podcasts, wherever podcasts are sold. You can uh, help the show you like. Not just our show, any show you enjoy, you can help that show out. If you can't support it, and lots of people can't for good reasons, if you can't support the shows you, li- you like and listen to, you can at least support them by leaving a star rating or a review. It helps the algorithm. I was in a me- work meeting the other day and started talking about feeding the algorithm and I a little chuckle in my head because that's our joke. Yes. It helps feed the algorithm, the all-knowing algorithm that we all bow down to but yet fear and don't understand. It helps all the podcasts. So thanks to all who do that. Even better than that is tell your friends, your family. It's summertime. You know, if you're in a water situation and you're rescued by a sexy lifeguard, tell them. Tell them that they're carrying you to safety about my fanboy. On the opposite token, if you are at the beach and you are carried away by a great white shark, which is increasingly likely. Sure. As you're being dragged down, I want you to think, like, what do I want my last words to be? (laughs) And I'm not telling you to do this, but I'm saying to consider it in the moment, plugging us. This is I (laughs) fan. Somebody get a gun. Somebody get a gun and shoot it. And listen, I fan boy. So yeah, if it's a situation where, you know, there's a killer on the loose and it's 25 feet and everyone's trying to blow it up while you're getting in your boat with your dynamite, you know, have a conversation about podcasts. I can respect. I feel like you're talking about a fictional situation from a movie that I love a lot. Uh-huh. But let's be honest that what's happening now are real shark attacks by record large sharks <laughs> in places where we have been. I know. It's a real it's a real threat. It's a present danger. And it's better than walking around and reading the news. And that's why, <laughs> that's why I don't get in the water, Josh, because I don't need an ironic death. I, I don't need a death that makes you We are setting ourselves up for that. Yeah. No. I, I, you know what? I actually, I, I think I would prefer that. I, would be, <laughs> I, I think I'm all right. Like, not embarrassing, no. but a level of irony I think would be pretty great. Right. Well, those guys are really obsessed with Jaws, and that one guy got killed by a great white shark. I don't need that. I mean, that's fitting. I like that. I think that's poetic. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like uh, I realized actually the other day, I was like, I, I don't consider myself to have phobias or, mm-hmm. or whatever, and I realized, like, no, I hate the ocean. I don't like the ocean. I don't like being in the ocean. Mm-hmm. I, I've been to a couple of really beautiful places where I spent some time in the ocean and like 
you know, like Turks and Caicos and in Hawaii on my on my vacation, and it was amazing. But at like one point, I swam out and I realized I was like I couldn't see beneath me. Yeah, and I flipped out and I came back in, <laughs> and I don't like the ocean. And that's it's all that fear of that one the unknown thing underneath there, the shark, the whatever. That's why so many great stories have come out of that. Because I know it's a great, but like fear. I, I realize, like I actually have like an. I don't know about irrational because it seems perfectly rational. <laughs> I am I am afraid of that thing, and I sharks are actually very good for the environment and they're important. oh, absolutely they should be uh, conserved. I just want I just want to make be. clear before we get the emails and the tweets. No, no, it's our fault. We yeah. that's their we're trespassing. Yeah, that's their area. They should have their area. Right. I guess I'm into shark shark segregation <laughs> keep them in their area we stay in our area oh boy well that was fun <laughs> i'm connor <laughs> i am josh flanagan and no one else that cackle babble head in the box must think i'm dumb as a rock reading me the news while i'm kicking off my shoes and it's scaring me out of my socks Admitted it's stranger, I'm not But buddy, let me tell you what If you ask old Will to say Here's the deal, friends, it's all going to pot Well, it's all going to pot Whether we like it or not Best I can tell the world's gone to hell And we're all gonna miss it a lot I'm talking about working for a living I'm talking about sharking well, I'm not talking about hooking some poor dogfish or sand shark. I'm talking about finding a great white. Porkers? Talking about... Porkers? Mr. Hooper? 